Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Peyton Warren, a strategist at the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, and I am one of your IML hosts. A special thank you to the group that is joining us live today. We have got a great conversation planned and I'm super excited to hear what y'all think about it too. Uh, So today's session is about podcasting. Podcasts, um, you know, they're not something that every manufacturing company just like jumps into. You might be a little bit nervous to think about even podcasting for your company. Is it right for you? Um, What do you really get? What do you stand to gain from doing a regular podcast series? Well, today we're going to talk to you about what exactly is out there to gain. And um, I'm super excited because Gorilla ourselves, uh, we have three podcasts. And so to introduce this topic, I'm going to hand it off to one of our podcasting hosts and my IML co-host, Brendan Forrest. Brendan, take What's it up, everyone? So good to have you here. Yeah, like Peyton said, um, so outside of IML, we also have the Manufacturing Marketer, which I host. Uh, Joe Sullivan's in here. He hosts the Manufacturing Executive. And then we just launched a new one called the Manufacturing Employer, hosted by our other co-founder, John Franco, that talks about culture. So we love podcasts here. We think the audio medium is just really great. And, you know... It's super like people are super engaged with it, um, and you can just talk to people about your point of view for as long as you want. Um, so today we brought in another podcasting giant in the manufacturing space, Chris Lukey. He hosts the Manufacturing Happy Hour podcast. So Chris is here to talk to us about podcasting, how to do it, why to do it, all that stuff. So Chris, welcome. Why don't you say hi to everyone? Excited to be here. I've uh, I've seen clips from past episodes. I've been been on past ones. So good to be a part of the conversation today, and uh, excited to, to chat with all of you about this. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're glad you're here. So, Chris, first question to you: Is podcasting right for manufacturing companies? Short answer to that question is yes. Um, there's a great opportunity for podcasting for manufacturing companies. But I'm going to lead off with a theme of today's conversation. And it was actually an aha moment that came when when I was chatting with your team earlier this week. Podcasting is accessible as a medium, but podcasting is not necessarily easy. It takes a lot of work to do it well. So is it true that anyone can go out there and start a podcast? Yes. But in order to do it well, you need consistency. You need people that are skilled at interviewing. And more than anything, you need to know who your audience is and what they stand to gain from the podcast, right? Because after that, that's where the relevant content should follow at that point. So there are some things, there's some infrastructure you need in place to make it happen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So short answer, yes. But hopefully we answer some of the details that are, hey, how do you start a successful podcast that helps your company, you know, with their brand, bring in new customers, help with recruitment, all of these great areas that a podcast can assist with. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I like how you said it's successful, right? Podcasting is not easy, uh, but it is successful, right? All you need is a microphone and a point of view and something to say, right? And then you can get, you can figure, then you can figure the rest out too. And, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you know, Joe Rogan or NPR level quality right out the gate, right? Like it is a, you can learn, um, but, you know, the other thing that we like is video, but video is hard, right? You need expensive cameras, you need expensive equipment. Uh, you need to know how to uh, edit, uh, you know, like you know how to put a shot together. Like there's people that are very professional video editors. Uh, we have one on the staff named Nick. He's great. Podcasting, you can kind of figure it out. Like 
I'm not an audio engineer, but I've kind of figured it out how to do it myself. And there's a lot of other resources out there that you can, you can hire in. So, um, yeah, Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a huge point. Brendan is like, whatever you're doing, like so many industrial marketers are teams of one. And Chris, like you said, like you run your podcast yourself too. So it's like, you don't have to do it all yourself. Partners are out there. Like what's been your experience there? Like, do you, how do you build uh, manufacturing happy hour and like, who all do you pull in to support you? Yeah. So I'm going to take this question in two parts, right? Cause I think you made a really good point. Like manufacturing happy hour. I always pull this out. Like it started as a video series on my iPhone, mm-hmm. right? For the first nine months when I started it over five years ago, I mean, it was super DIY, right? I wasn't doing a lot of editing to your point. Like you don't necessarily need a lot of the expensive equipment out of the gate, right? People often use that as an excuse to be like, oh, I'll get started once I've got the right microphone, once we've got the video editor, once we've got the camera, right? There are a lot of ways to start testing the concept with the tools that you have. Um, but I'm, can you remind me what the second part of the question was? I was going down that route and I need to make sure I so, answered the actual question that was there. <laughs> yeah, like like who all, now that you, so like you started with your phone, you, you made it just like, bare bones, but now like we've just been commenting, like Chris's audio quality yeah. is like through the roof. <laughs> yeah. So like now, now what do you do and who all do you partner with? Yeah. Good, good point. So yes, I largely run manufacturing happy hour as a one man show, as a lifestyle business, as an extension of my personal brand. But, you know, as I got through the initial episodes I started realizing there were things that were best left for someone else and things that were best left for me. My core job is to run a great conversation, go into an interview that's well-researched and make sure I'm asking questions that you can't necessarily find answers to on the internet of my guests, right? You know, a podcast is not a product pitch. It's a way to, you know, help educate your audience, bring out insights that you otherwise might not be able to find. So, you know, over time, I started finding my video editors. I started finding my podcast production company that does all the production work for me. So, yeah, there's a little bit of legwork where I still need to craft the story, right, and guide the people that are helping me bring the podcast to life. But just because I know how to do a little video editing and and because I know how to do audio editing doesn't mean I should be doing that. There are... There are whether whether you're with a company, medium, small, big, you might have video resources like you mentioned, or there are great tools out there like Fiverr, Content 10X. We'll talk about maybe some specific tools towards the end of it, right? But there are ways to get this done because I'm not there are talented video editors out there, right? But there are also a lot of video editors out there that you can find to help bring things to life. Yeah, I think one of the other um you know, really important. Well, maybe the most important thing. And you can kind of hear it even in the names of the podcast of like the gorilla runs, like the manufacturing executive, who is that for manufacturing executives, the manufacturing employer, who is that for, you know, um, HR professionals, uh, the manufacturing marketer, it's for marketers. So like, I think that the ultimately it all comes down to like, who are you going to be making the, the, the podcast for? And then like you said, Chris, like, how can you make that time, that conversation, the most valuable um, piece of content out there for, for folks? So it's like doing your research on what questions, um, like what burning questions that you cannot get answers for anywhere else besides that um, interview that you're about to host. Um, yeah. So Brendan, any thoughts on like just 
the focus or audience when it comes to podcasts? I mean, it just kind of comes down to demand gen, right? Like we've talked about this for like a year now, right? We have to understand our audience. That's why we do customer interviews, why we do research. Um, and I think, you know, podcasting and posting organically on LinkedIn, that sort of thing is a great way for you to understand who your audience is. Like, yep, yeah, did your downloads not happen this month because of the topic you picked? Well, maybe don't pick that topic again. Your audience doesn't care about that, right? But if there's this other topic that's just going off with downloads, okay, so now we're kind of hitting a chord and we need to dive more into this topic. And I think that gives you more fire, like, oh, people really like this topic. Maybe I need to write a blog article about this or maybe I need to do a video about this, right? So like you're using it to understand, it goes the other way too, right? If I wrote an article and I'm just, it's going off on SEO or it's getting a ton of likes on LinkedIn, maybe I need to bring it onto my podcast and talk about it in, in person and just hit that topic from a different angle. So yeah, I think it, it all comes down to your audience uh, and whether you have a manufacturing podcast or you have like a hobby podcast, it all comes out like, what does the audience want to hear? Cause that's who it's for. Unless it's like just a personal thing and it's just like a way for you to like get your demons out. Um, but you know, but for manufacturing, yeah. Like understand what you, who your audience is. I, I think you made a really important point there since we're really on the topic of, Hey, how to start a podcast, right? You don't need to know everything about your audience right out of the gate or every topic that they're going to be interested in, right? If you're running a company, if you're in an industry, you probably have a good idea of what at least some of the topics you should cover, right? Get like five episodes, six episodes recorded to cover those topics. And as you start posting those and sharing those consistently, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on the, you know, the podcast servers like Spotify and iTunes, your audience starts giving you that feedback, right? They'll respond in the comments. You'll see download numbers go off. Like mm -hmm. a very real example for me is anytime I record an episode that is cybersecurity related or cybersecurity centric, I see a spike in downloads, right? There is a noticeable increase in people listening to that. So I'm like, all right, well, now that I've seen that happen a couple of times, I should probably make it a point to record an episode on cybersecurity every quarter, every couple of months, whatever it is, because that's what my audience is interested in. So just wanted to add some points on, hey, everything you were saying is really important to consider when you're when you're getting started, right? Get a couple of, get, get that first, let's say, handful of episodes ready, batched and ready to go. And then listen to your audience to figure out what your next topics are going to be. All right, so I want to talk about like, yeah, let's move into this content direction. Because I, I kind of see like for creating a, you know, a company podcast where you're talking about manufacturing, I kind of see two different routes you can go. It's either you interview subject matter experts or you are the subject matter expert. So like with Joe's podcast with the manufacturing executive, Joe's interviewing subject matter experts about manufacturing for the manufacturing marketer. You know, the gorilla team is the subject matter experts talking about demand gen. Um, and so I, I kind of see there's two different ways there. So, Chris, like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, and, and I'm maybe a little biased on this conversation, right, because I run an interview podcast as well. So interview podcasts have always worked well for me. I'll, I'll highlight a benefit of an interview podcast, particularly in the B2B space. And then we can talk about the value of, let's say, sure. you know, the the experts within the company chatting amongst themselves podcast. So. The reason I really like interview podcasts in the B2B space is it provides two advantages, right? One, you can interview people that are your current customers, right? I feel like one mistake I see company make when they when companies make when they start an interview podcast is they're interviewing only people within their company, which is fine. There's expertise there. But when I'm thinking it's like, hey, what am I doing for business development, right? The success of a podcast isn't just, 
hey, we got a thousand listeners and 10 of them turned into leads, right? I feel like that's a lot of people's default when they measure success. The success in podcasts can be something completely different. Are you using your podcast as a business development tool, which is where I think it's probably the most valuable for B2B companies. I tell people, if you're starting a podcast, the first group you probably want to list in interview, if you're starting an interview podcast, are people that are your customers and partners today. The second group you want to start interviewing, once you have a little rapport, once the podcast, I wouldn't even say has a reputation, just once there's a base of episodes there to say, hey, this is real and it's consistent and it's professional and we do it on a regular basis. Then start interviewing people that you wish were your customers because I'm putting my sales guy hat on here, right? You can reach out to that person, that executive, that admin, whomever that is, and say, hey, we run this podcast. This is who the audience is. We're familiar with what so-and-so does uh, or this in, what this individual does. We think they'd be an excellent guest for the podcast. Their message would really resonate with our audience. At no point did you say, hey, we're company XYZ and we provide this service, right? You're building a relationship with that person through the podcast. Because here's, I'll just put it out in, in the context of, let's think of a full year, right? 52 weeks are in a year. If you do 26 of those episodes, half of those episodes with existing customers, existing partners, that strengthens, strengthens those relationships. If you do a podcast, those other 26 episodes with prospects, you just created really high fidelity potential leads with those prospects. Are they all going to turn into people that you'll do business with someday? Absolutely not. Like it's a numbers game at the end of the day, right? But is there a good likelihood that two, three, four, five of them turn into that? Yeah. I mean, so that's that's why I try to get people to think of podcasting in B2B, in manufacturing in a multifaceted way. It's not, hey, we put out this podcast and we got all these leads from potential listeners. It's like, hey, maybe the people we interviewed turn into customers, or we haven't even touched on this yet. Maybe the podcast becomes a great recruiting tool for your company and the people that appear on it. So that was a long monologue to, to answer that question. So I'll hand it back to you as, as you continue to guide the conversation. That, yeah, that's good stuff, Chris. I would like to invite Jill Sullivan on because uh, he kind of runs a similar podcast style to you, Chris, and he, he put some really great stuff in the chat. So Jill, why don't you come on and talk about what, uh, you know, you ran 151 straight episodes of the manufacturing executive and there, you listed four benefits uh, in the chat. So yeah, just hit us with those, Jill. Like what what is uh, TME done for Gorilla? Yeah. So, you know, my, my story, when I launched the podcast about three years ago, we're coming up, I think in a few weeks on three years. And, um, my original thought was I've been writing content for years for the manufacturing sector around marketing. I was really interested in the podcasting medium. Why don't I just do more of that there? And I wound up hiring Sweetfish media who produced our show for the first few years. Um, and they convinced me that, I should not create a show about marketing, which is my expertise. And instead I should create a show for the people that I want to meet and do business with and you know, speak to and, and be the facilitator of amazing content for them from a variety of different angles. And I was sold immediately. So as opposed to a show about industrial marketing, it just became, we, we named it the manufacturing executive and said, what are the things that manufacturing leaders of you know, mid-sized B2B manufacturers in the United States care about? And you know, probably one out of every 10 episodes winds up being about marketing, but it's, um, you know, I'll pull in different marketing experts or people from our team, or I'll do a solo cast here and there, but 
that's probably 10% of the content for the show. And it, it, you know, we touch on all kinds of other things, not, not unlike what you do, Chris, um, with, with manufacturing happy hour. Um, but the benefits from, from my perspective, the number one benefit of a mark of an interview based show, like Chris does, or like I do is market research. Like for me, it's, it's interview based. And, you know, Chris, you came, you, you worked in Rockwell for, for 10 years. You've been in the industrial sector, your whole career. I have not, I've been running an agent marketing agency, my whole career. And it's been, you know, probably the last 10 or 12 years has been specifically in mid-sized B2B manufacturing, but I'm not an engineer by trade. I was never a machinist. Like um, I had to learn manufacturing through my clients. And so, you know, over the last three years, I've talked to 100 to 150 different leaders in manufacturing or people in automation, robotics, you know, AI, machine learning, things that are touching manufacturing. And so I've learned so much about I'm so, I'm so much smarter and just more informed about what matters to my audience as a result of all of those conversations. So that's the first thing is market research. The second one is the networking effect. Um, you know, having 30 to 60 minute conversations and plus having set up call, like planning calls that I do for every episode, you've got an hour, hour and a half of across two calls with your exact audience and people who otherwise, in my case, who's going to want to pick up the phone in a CEO position and talk to a marketing agency owner, right? Nobody. So it opens the door to build relationships and have conversations with people you otherwise would, would be really hard to, uh, you know, have those conversations, I guess. Third benefit, brand awareness, putting yourself side by side with really smart people in your audience that have huge, you know, I've, Chris, I've had you on the show. I see Will Healy on here. I've had Jake Hall, Eddie Saunders. You, these are guys who everybody knows in manufacturing and come with massive audiences. And so when you put yourself side by side with them, there's this halo effect that comes off on you and it changes brand perception, I think. It creates the, you know, their audiences will cross pollinate with yours and, and you know, you, you kind of reach way more people. Um, so that that brand awareness um, and, and sort of you know, networking effect, I think, go hand in hand there. And then the last thing is revenue. And I think that's the thing that you it's just going to require patience. I couldn't trace a single dollar to this podcast over the first probably year and a half I did it, but now it's happening. And it's because I hear in our form fills on our site, like where we ask, how did you hear about us? Um, probably at this point, 50% are, we we found you on LinkedIn, 25% are your podcast, a manufacturing executive, and the other 25% are, you know, organic search or, or whatever. So um, it's starting to happen. And now we're starting to trace actual revenue to it. So that's been like of three years doing this. Those probably are the biggest four benefits from my perspective. Awesome. And I, I think that answered your question about, um, you know, what, would be good measures of success for inbound lead generation. So I guess for a question there, I have two for you, both of you. How do you measure success for an interview style podcast? And then how do you find guests? I can I can kick that off. So so how do I find guests, right? Like um, once you run a podcast for long enough, you get a lot of inbound requests to be on your podcast. People are interested in and I think most people know how to pitch a podcast, right? They're not saying we want to talk about our product. They're like, hey, we want to talk about the effects of COVID on manufacturing, right? I can't tell you how many headlines I see with that. Um, I think it's worth filtering through and looking at those. But I think it comes back to knowing your audience and knowing who you would like to have on the show, right? The majority of the people that I have on Manufacturing Happy Hour are not the people that are showing up in my inbox for the first time. 
they're the people that I've heard about in the industry that I've seen on LinkedIn that are sharing their story that I've built a relationship with, whether it's in person through social media, that I'm like, okay, this person is good at X, Y, and Z, and my audience wants to hear about X, Y, and Z. I need to have this person on the podcast. So that's, you know, but if I'm, if I'm just getting started, I'm sharing my answer from someone that's been doing this for a while, right? If I'm just getting started, I would put together my wish list of good customers or people that I've got a relationship with. I mean, that's where I started manufacturing happy hour, right? I thought of, okay, these are 10 people in the industry I've worked really well with. I bet they do me a favor and jump on this brand new podcast that doesn't have an audience, right? Like think about people you're serving today. So there's, I gave you kind of the advanced answer first and then the introductory answer second. Like I think, don't think you need to get a superstar like Titan Gilroy on your podcast is episode one, because no one's really going to be listening or subscribed to episode one anyway. So right, start off with people that you have rapport with that, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a good relationship building thing. And they've got a good story to share for that audience that you're starting to build up. So that's how I go about finding guests. Chris, I gotta, I gotta say one thing that you do really well, just to interject here that I, that I really like is it's very conversational. And so when you're starting off, like, I feel like I am part, I'm sitting in the room with you guys, like half the time I'm talking to myself in response to the conversation you're having with your guest. And so I think your advice to start off, people listen to a podcast because they feel like they're your friend. And so um, I think starting off with people you're very comfortable with, and you can have an engaging, friendly, um, fun conversation with is going to help you get subscribers much faster than finding someone you don't know, but has a title. I, I think I think that's really good advice. I didn't want to get skipped over. Well, I think it's a great point because I'm looking at um, Luke's comments in the meeting chat. You know, he's saying, hey, I was interviewing subject matter experts within my own company to get comfortable at the start. Right. So I do think that's great advice when you're getting started. It's like, hey, maybe that is when you interview people that are within the company or maybe that's when you interview some close customers or partners. Right. Because you get your feet wet, you get more comfortable having the conversation because People are all, you know, people will ask, hey, how are you such a good interviewer, right? It's like, well, you know, Joe Sullivan's done 150 episodes. Like he's had a little bit of practice, right? You know, I've done a, over 150 as well, right? It comes with practice. It comes with getting comfortable having the conversation. Like I remember back in the day, like it, I was more nervous when I started, when I'd hit that record button or when I'd record a short video, I'd have to do like five or six takes, right? Now it's like, I'm comfortable. You know, if I've done my preparation and I have, you know, a handful of good questions and a, a few themes for the interview ready to go. I know we're going to have a good conversation because you get better at listening and hearing the things that someone brings up. It's like, oh, you just mentioned that your company was having challenges a couple of years ago, right? How did you overcome those challenges as a leader, right? You get better at kind of just being in that conversation and, and guiding that discussion. So I think an important thing to to mention and highlight here is that it's okay if you're not the best podcaster in the world right out of the gate. I think what's important is being curious right out of the gate and then being able to ask those questions. And you will get better as you continue to do more interviews. That is maybe one of the most important reasons that being consistent is so critical, right? Because you get better by doing it over and over. It's not because, you're, you know, it, it's also because your audience starts to trust you and they're like, okay, this is the real deal. It comes out every week comes out every two weeks, comes out every month, right? There are different frequencies you can do for your show. You got to figure out 
what you have the bandwidth for as well. But that's a that's a let's say a cornucopia of advice on on how to start a podcast and get comfortable. Brendan, could I uh, add one build on there real quick? Yeah, heck yeah. Um, so from from the standpoint of if if um if I were starting a podcast right now, knowing what I know and how do I get off the ground and and get the few get a few under my under my belt, I, I would agree with what has just been said here. Start with start inside your company. You tap into some of your expertise. Go to your existing customers or people that you have relationships with, um, who you know could contribute something valuable to your audience. Because you're going to have naturally more comfortable conversations with them because you know them already. It'll give you a little bit of confidence. It'll get allow you to get those first five or 10 out the door. Another thing I would advise is even if you're thinking about a podcast, but you're not 100% sure, still do those interviews and just record them on Zoom because you can make the decision later if you're actually going to launch a podcast. And if you decide not to, um, you could still use that content for, you know, chop it up into little videos to use on LinkedIn or in your blog or, or whatever. So it would be a good way to, to like confirm, okay, I can do this. Right. And, and get a few interviews behind, behind you and also have a bank of them ready to go. So you're not scrambling during your first month of trying to, you know, get something live. But then what I would do once you get those first few is at the end of every interview you do ask your guest, is there anybody you think would be a, a really good guest for this podcast who could offer something to this audience? I do that every time. And that has in and of itself led to probably 50 of my guests, right? So always ask that. And then it just kind of, that ball keeps rolling. Um, and then I think you also should just sort of ask your network, you know, think about the people who you know, you know, for those of you in this room, ask people in this room who you've developed relationships with, like for my niche audience, is there anybody you know that, that you think could be a good contributor? And go there because then then you can get a warm intro too, as opposed to you reaching out cold and this person be like, I, I don't know who this is. I, this podcast doesn't even have any episodes live yet, you know. So I think like play to your network and just get comfortable first. And there will be it'll kind of start to snowball. You'll build some momentum that'll breed confidence. Other people will be more interested in being on the show. And then, like Chris said, you know, I it's the same thing for me. I get people constantly trying to get on the show. Now it's more about who do I want to say yes to and 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 continuing to try to handpick people side by side with that. Totally. I, I've got one more thing to add that you just made me think of, Joe. And because we're one of the first questions in this conversation was, hey, why should manufacturing companies start a podcast? Because it's still an all ships rise with the tide area, right? If Gorilla 76 podcasts do well, chances are manufacturing happy hour is going to do well. If making chips does well, chances are Eddie Saunders podcast is going to do well, right? I'll just be honest. It's kind of a club for the people that are podcast hosts, right? Like, you know, Joe was saying he asks people after the interviews on, hey, who would be another great guest for the show? I used to do that. I need to make a mental note to keep doing it again, Joe. That's great advice. Thank you for the reminder. But the other thing is like, podcast hosts in our industry are still talking to one another all the time. Like Joe, you and I are probably throwing guest recommendations to us. I don't know, maybe once a quarter or something, I'm going to be interviewing someone you recommended when I get back to Milwaukee here in the summer and things like that, right? Like podcast hosts talk because there are only, I'll be honest, there are only a handful of people that really stick around to do it right for a long time. Like some people come and go in the space, the podcasts drop off and, and they just go away. But the people that have stuck with it the Gorilla 76s, Manufacturing Happy Hour, uh, Making Chips. Those are some of the big ones you've you've seen out there, right? Um, you know, we all we all talk and work together because we know it's not a competition, right? If the, the, the amount of people that could be listening to podcasts today 
um, versus the amount of people that actually are, there's still a huge range to cover. So we know that if we all do well, um, you know, so long story short, that's a way to continue to get guest suggestions as well as be, I mean, join the, the, join the podcast club in manufacturing, if you will. So there's a few things that have come up and one of them has been just like, Chris, you mentioned early on in this conversation, how like part of, part of the podcast is like your personal brand. You've also mentioned like, it's important to, for like um, your audience to be familiar with what the host does and trust what the host does. Um, and, uh, you know, Will mentioned that as well about like feeling like he's got a relationship with um, with you. So when it comes to, um, there's just a few questions that have come up in the chat. Um, you know, all of this comes down to kind of consistency. So we've had a couple questions come up. One from Andrew Cameron about asking like, um, listening analytics for the podcast and things like that. And um, uh, I uh, also asked about like determining ROI. And I guess my question, like all of this wraps back around to like what I've seen um, from helping produce podcasts for our client is like the more consistent you are, the more reliable you are as a podcaster, um, the better your ROI is going to be. So like, just curious to get your thoughts on that. Like how long did it take before you started to see like those indicators that like, Hey, I've actually got something here. And, um, yeah, where did, how much patients play into that? I love this question. It is, it is a, I shouldn't say it's a tricky one to answer. There are just different ways to answer it because there are, I made this comment a little earlier. There are different ROIs to having a podcast. And the reality is, I think a lot of people default to the, well, how many leads have we gotten from doing this podcast, right? You've been doing it for six months. You know, why aren't we seeing new business come from it yet? I think Joe highlighted something really important that podcasting takes patience. So I think you need a leader that understands that this is not the tool that's getting us a lead tomorrow or next week. It's not the thing that we launched today. We're gonna get a hundred more people showing up to our trade show because we talked about it on there. I talk about ROI in a couple different ways. I mean, the first ROI I noticed was just the way my network was enhancing, right? Like the different people that I was starting to connect with that I'm like, I have access to this different world now. And that's that's me speaking from my personal perspective. But we're, you know, I started this podcast when I was a salesperson for Rockwell, right? And I'm just like, oh, some of these people are potential clients, right? I've just built my relationship with people that are potential clients. But where I think of some of the big ROI, how you measure the ROI on the podcast is, and this is something that I talk to a lot of my sponsors about, it's one thing to pull in new customers it's another thing to use your podcast as a recruitment tool or a recruitment tool for your guests, right? What I started learning is a lot of the success that people were having with the podcast was, hey, this is turning into something that if I show this podcast and tell five potential hires to listen to it when I'm going through the hiring process, I've had past guests tell me that's been a way to kind of weed out people that were a fit for their company, people that got it, that got the message. Or people that just weren't interested in what they did, right? So there, I, I think what would be important is mentioning, hey, there's, it, it's part of, it, it's it's a long-term networking play. It's to get more people into our ecosystem. It's to build that long-term trust. 
The second thing is, hey, let's not just think about it in terms of new customers. Let's think about it into, hey, how does this help our hiring, for example? Or how does this help with recruitment and retainment and uh, um, retaining all those type of things as well? That's my initial answer to that. I, I'd be curious to get Joe's take because Joe, you run Gorilla 76. So, you know, what is what are the things that, and you've mentioned it earlier, right? I'd just love to hear you kind of summarize in terms of how do you measure the ROI on that or the ROI maybe is the better way to do it with yeah, air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> yeah, Chris, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I would probably state it the same way. I mean, this group that comes back in IML week after week, um, you know, you hear our team talk a lot about, you know, demand generation and like, you know, there are things we're doing to um, capture demand that exists, right? And get, get you know, to, to RFQs when um, there are people who are looking, but a lot of what you do on the marketing front is going to be about uh, reaching your target audience at scale time after time after time over the course of time and have, have some confidence from the signals you receive that you're having an imp- a positive impact and building the right brand awareness with that audience. And, you know, just like any individual blog post or LinkedIn post that you make, any individual podcast episode, you're not looking at what's the ROI of that podcast episode, or maybe even the podcast episodes that I did in Q1. It's all part of, you know, a bigger effort to sort of uh, holistically elevate your brand awareness and the perception of your business and the minds of the people you need to reach. Like it becomes one of your key content platforms. So while after three years, I can look back and say this client and this client both originated through this podcast. And these two right here have talked to me about how they've been listening forever. And like, they're glad that, you know, they found that and that, you know, had some impact on them deciding to hire us or talk to us. Um, you know, that's going to take some time. You'll get there. But I think the the things you're looking for early on are the signals like, you know, is your audience growing? Are you getting positive feedback on the show? Um, you know, are people mentioning it? I know we've talked to all of you about having that, you know, how'd you hear about us um, question open-ended in, in your, your website consultation forms or RFQ forms. And when you start seeing all of a sudden more and more, like we learned about you through the podcast or, or whatever, those are all signals that it's hard to bring that to your CEO sometimes and say, here's the ROI number. But if you, you just use common sense and stop for a minute, like you can't deny the impact that that's having on, on business growth. So. That's my I I just had an an idea kind of come to me. I've always believed it, but I'm going to say this in a very blunt way. I feel that podcasting is only for companies that truly believe in their the success of their company two to three years down the line, right? Because mm-hmm. Joe, you're talking about like this is a long term play. This is not you know we need to hit our numbers this quarter. This is okay. Our brand's doing pretty well. What do we do to enhance that to continue to be relevant? To continue to be talked about? To continue to be on people's minds? It. I mean, this is a long term play that is not measured only by the traditional marketing metrics, if you will. So this, I think, is maybe a good place to to pivot just slightly because, oh my gosh, podcasts, that's a lot of work. This is so overwhelming. I don't think I want to do this. You know, um, That's a completely normal reaction. Um, and I think there's other ways you could join this podcast world without 
running your own podcast. And one of the things I really wanted to ask Chris about was, you know, and I, I hadn't even heard it called guesting. That's what you call it, apparently, y'all. Um, so podcast guesting, um, you know, like you said that folks reach out to you a lot in your DMs and just try and get in there. But can you talk to us a little bit more about like what if you wanted to help your leadership team become, you know, like get on the podcast circuit and become a guest? Like, how should they go about that? Yeah, I think that's a great point right there. Are a couple things I definitely want to talk about podcast, like let's say like maybe the easier ways to get into podcasting, right? I think that's a good way to kind of bring this conversation around. Podcast guesting is one of them. Content repurposing is another one we'll definitely want to talk about later, but let's talk about guesting first because I think that's great, right? Especially if you're running a marketing team that only has one or two people, right? Like maybe producing a podcast right out of the gate isn't the thing you want to do. The reality is there are a number of, you know, we're talking in manufacturing, right? I think one of the easiest ways to figure out, hey, what are the podcasts we might want to go on? Look up, you know, the manufacturing executive, look up manufacturing happy hour on iTunes, Apple podcasts, whatever you want to call it. It'll show you related podcasts below it, right? So you can get a, you know, you'll get an initial list of, hey, here are the manufacturing podcasts out there. Uh, The thing I would say is I assume you know, Joe, I know you're getting hit up for guests all the time, right? Like they're, they're like people are the, the good manufacturing podcasts are getting guest requests frequently. What I've kind of started using is my filter. If I see someone that sounds like they might be good, I'm like, Hey, let's build a relationship on LinkedIn first. I don't necessarily say it directly like that, but I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm booked out for the next quarter, the next six months, whatever it is. Right. But I'd love to get to know you a little bit and hear your story a little bit. Like I, I look for the companies that are out there sharing their story. So, you know, that's when that's at least how I'm looking for companies that I would invite on my podcast. I think it's being present in, let's say the manufacturing world in other ways, right? You want people to know who you are. So maybe that cold email isn't going to land right away. It might land with someone that's just starting a manufacturing podcast. But here's, I think the big value of podcast guesting is one, you could take advantage of um, established audiences that other manufacturing podcasts have created. The other thing, it, it could provide you that test ground for figuring out if podcasting is right for you. It's like, hey, we just appeared on three podcasts. Um, you know, so-and-so is a natural at this, right? Or, hey, you know, so-and-so has been doing a great job coordinating these podcasts. Maybe it's time we start our own as well. Mm-hmm. So I would answer that from, hey, I think podcast guesting, one of the best things about it is it allows you to figure out is maybe starting a podcast of our own, something we'd like to do before we make that commitment to starting a show. Yeah, I actually, um, when when I was exploring the idea of of starting a podcast, the, what I did first is we, you know, we had supported, we're a marketing agency, right? We've got budget for this and, and stuff, but we... I hired a company called Interview Connections, and there's, um, you know, there are a lot of these sorts of podcast booking agents, especially, uh, sorry, out there that um, essentially help you uh, get placed on on the right types of shows. So, you know, I, I forgot what we paid, but we, I essentially had a package of like getting me placed on 15 podcasts, and I think 10 of them ish were marketing slash sales focused, and like five of them were manufacturing focused. There weren't this is even three years ago, there weren't that many manufacturing podcasts, honestly. So it was, um, that was my way to, to, to do a couple things to say, do I like this medium? Do I think I could do this well before we like, commit to doing it ourselves? 
And it also gave me the chance to observe 15 different hosts and who did it well and who didn't do it well. And I learned a lot about how I wanted to conduct my show based on what I learned from from those people. So that's my only ad there. All right. And I know there's we could talk about that um, just so much more, but I know we also want to talk about repurposing content. Um, you know, podcasting, it takes a ton of time. So if you are going to do it, um, you know, how can you make sure that you're going to get the most mileage out of the stuff that you're uh, producing? And, you know, Chris, I know you've got a whole website behind the manufacturing happy hour. You've got the YouTube channel. So I would love to hear more about what you do with your episodes and like your your normal rhythm after a podcast comes out. Chris, before you jump in, I think this also goes back to some of that ROI piece too, right? Like if you don't have a podcast, mm-hmm. like you have to create content somehow and you're either going to do it, you know, slaving away on a keyboard, trying to write a blog article, or you can just say it into a microphone and then repurpose it later, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, and then you get two pieces of content instead of one. Um, so I see this as a big ROI play too, right? For just creating a, a mass amount of content, having a content pillar that you can create other pieces of content from and to make that process a lot easier. All right, now, Chris. <laughs> no, I, I love everything that's been said. I think we've all at separate times referred to a podcast episode as a piece of pillar content, right? It's something that has a lot of content within it that can be chopped up and distributed in different ways that are in the context of the different mediums where you can share it. Because I want to make sure as we get to the end of this conversation that I haven't scared people off from starting a podcast, right? Yes, it's a lot of work, but when you do it right, like, my goodness, it's rewarding. And I think content repurposing is one of the best ways to get some early, easy wins out of podcasting, right? Because anyone that started a podcast will tell you, like, millions, thousands, hundreds of people aren't flocking to subscribe to your podcast on day one just because you shared it in your newsletter and posted like a link to it on social media, right? It takes time for that or that audience of subscribers to build up and engage over time. What you can do when that podcast audience on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever people are listening to the audio is small, you can take the best insights, the best quotes, the best short video clips, or if you just recorded it on audio, you can turn it into what we call an audiogram, which is like a waveform video. You can share all that content in the spots where your audience, your customers, your prospects, whoever they are, you can share that where they're already hanging out, right? I would assume most people here have, you know, at least one or two channels that are doing pretty well. Maybe it's your web traffic. Maybe it's your Instagram. Maybe it's your LinkedIn, right? So start sharing like little bite-sized chunks of your podcast, whether it's a short video, whether it's just an image that of the guest with one of the quotes they said on the show, share it in those spots. Because I think the context of this is super important, right? When I'm scrolling on LinkedIn, it's probably because I have five minutes between meetings and I'm procrastinating on something, or I don't have a lot of time to do something super productive. So, right. So that's where I'm getting my social media fix. I'm not looking to click on a link to a 40 minute podcast while I'm scrolling through my feed. But what I will stop for is a good 30 second insight, a good quote, I'll like, I'll comment if it resonates with me, if I'm part of that audience. That's where content repurposing is super. And I think it goes back to the point of, hey, if you're 
just getting started and you're interviewing people internally within your company and interviewing those internal domain experts, you know, that's a great way to get mileage out of that content, right? Because we've just said those aren't going to be the people that are your new leads or your new prospects, but they do have good insights to share. So if you, if you can package those insights so they look good on social media, on your website, in your newsletter, wherever you're going to share them out, content repurposing, I think is the key to getting some early wins out of podcasting. Whereas we've said, it's a long game. It's not the thing that's getting you a lot of those quick wins on the podcasting platform right out of the gate. Yeah. And I would agree entirely there. I mean, you know, Brendan, you can speak to this too, or really a lot of people on this show who have, who are in this group who have podcasts, but it's going to, it's going to be how you're going to build your audience early on. Like you're not going to have a whole bunch of people who just find your podcast because they're Google searching for whatever your you know topic is slash podcast. Um, leverage the network that you already have, whether it's your email distribution, your the organic social networks of people on your team who have some reach, um, and those little mini clips are great ways to just give people a bite-sized taste of it that they can consume right there in platform. And then you say, you know, in the first comment, you'll find a link to the full show with this person, which touches on blah, 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 link out to it. And I guarantee you that'll be, you know, probably the best way to, to grow your podcasting audience early on. Well, I think like an example of this is, you know, we get a lot of form fills for guerrilla work, uh, that say they heard about us through Joe's LinkedIn. It's like, well, Joe, where do you get all of your content for LinkedIn? You get it from your podcast mostly, right? And so like, yeah, you're using your podcast to fuel the fire in a place where your audience is hanging out. Uh, but yeah, just like, could you like, you don't just create like 30 second clips of yourself talking, right? Like that all comes from you talking on a podcast. So, um, you know, you can use these things to fuel it. Like if you want content for your email newsletter, do a podcast. If you want content for YouTube, so like what we do with IML, like this, whole show is going to go onto YouTube. So now we have a, you know, a 45 minute thing of us talking about podcasting on YouTube. And, you know, we can cut this in, this is going to go on the manufacturing marketer. So we're going to repurpose this into a podcast. Um, so there's a lot of options here to make content just last and last a lot longer than, you know, just posting a blog article on your website and letting, uh, letting Google do with it what it will. Yeah. And each place you post it, right. You, you're getting the opportunity for more of that feedback, Chris, that you talked about, like, how do you know if it's working? How do you know if your podcast is going to be successful? How do you know if there's ROI? You're getting that positive feedback. So if you are posting it in a place where someone has the opportunity to tell you what they think about it, more of that well, feedback, right? One one more plug for an interview podcast, right? We've been talking about how we share the content. If you do a good interview podcast with a couple pieces of good repurposed content, your guests are going to share it out as well. Totally. Like in, in the manufacturing industry, since this is still... I would say it's a novel thing that there's only a handful of people that are doing really, really well. Guests are excited when they appear on the show. It's not like they've been, they're so jaded. It's like, oh, great. Here's another podcast I'm jumping on. Like this is a unique opportunity for them. So they're going to be excited to share the story as well. So again, it goes into the, hey, this thing is going to grow over time, right? If you do those 52 interview podcasts a year, that's 52 different people that are sharing that out over the course of the year. And that helps with that organic long-term growth of the show. So I just wanted to highlight that. Awesome. So we also wanted to ask Chris about podcast sponsorships. Uh, that's a whole world in and of itself. Uh, I don't know if we have time for that today. I just want to be respectful of everyone's Thursday morning, but uh, would love to dive into that another time. Um, if you have questions about that, uh, you can let us know in the chat or in uh, Slack and uh, we can try and get answers for you. Uh, 
there. Uh, but to round out today's conversation, uh, we wanted to do just like a rapid fire uh, with Chris about like what, you know, technically speaking, like what tools do you use to, um, you know, host your show? Um, what all is going on in the background as far as production goes? So as far as what's going around in the background on production, like when I do my show, um, you know, I'm trying to batch interviews as best I can, you know, I'm trying to get things done in advance. Typically episodes aren't coming out for like four or six weeks um, after I release them, for example. So, um, but what I'm doing, you know, with my background, my job is to get the interview recorded. And then at least for my show, I do an intro outro for it after I record the interview. And then I hand that off to my production team and I might pull out, Hey, this was a great quote. This was a good video clip to feature. Or, you know, a lot of these podcast production companies that you might work with, they're pretty good at picking out the nuggets in there, right? It just kind of depends on how much time I have. Am I trying to get off to a trade show that week? Or do I have, you know, a couple hours to sit behind the computer and, and make sure I'm picking out the most relevant pieces of content from, uh, from that episode. So that's a little bit about that. I, do you, I mean, Joe, you mentioned you use Sweetfish. I've, I use a company called Content 10X. There are a lot of different outfits out there that can help you produce and launch your podcast. So if you're taking notes, if you're looking for specifics, you know, try to write those ones down. I, I want you to feel like you're leaving with some, let's say, like very tactical tools as well from this conversation. I'll check out um, Resonate Recordings. Also, that's we we actually switched to Resonate. Mm. Um, Fish. Um, both have their advantages, but it just made more sense for us. And now we have all three of our shows under that, under their umbrella. They do a really nice job and they're, they're a lot more competitively priced as, as well, we found. So kind of depends on what you need. But um, a lot of these companies will offer kind of more a la carte sort of things too, where, you know, you're not committing for six months or a year in case it's something you want to sort of you know, see if it's right for you first. Um, one thing I can send out too is uh, I could drop into the Slack or something I'm thinking of because people ask me all the time, what what equipment do I need? And I've got an equipment list with links on Amazon if anybody wants the like sort of, you know, at least what what, what I've bought up. So that sounds like a great thing for IML Slack, Joe. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so I'd say like, if you want to go like, there, yeah, use a company, like we use companies for TMM and TME, like it's great, it resonates great. But, you know, I run a hobby podcast too and I do that all bootstrapped. And we use a, a tool called Zencaster. Zencaster hosts your show for free. You record for free in it. And there's some like AI tools in there to help enhance your audio a little bit. So all you need is like a Blue Yeti microphone that, you know, captures decent audio and then let, you know, the AI kind of do the, uh, you know, the mixing and the mastering and uh, you just post it like from there and it's pretty easy. So you can get started. There's a lot of tools out there to just get started without spending a lot of money either. So you can get your, you know, get your feet underneath you. Uh, and then, you know, once you want to professionalize, you know, then go into a uh, company too. So um, yeah, any questions about that? We can talk about that more in IML Slack too and how to get started there. Um, but yeah, well, there's just awesome. a lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we covered a lot of ground today, Chris, this is such a great episode. Anything that you want to, you know, like leave this crew with today? Like, you know, like if there's one piece of, I mean, we talked about so much. So I just want to make sure if there's a point you wanted to like restate, gave you that opportunity to do so. Yeah, maybe just maybe just a couple other final considerations on a B2B company running a podcast, right? Like we've talked about different ways to get started with podcast guesting, interviewing people within your company. 
If you're also trying to get your feet wet, you can run your podcast in seasons, for example, right? You can say, hey, season one is six episodes, right? We're releasing that. You know, you should probably have a season two just so you're not totally like bailing out if you decide it's not for you. But there are ways to do it saying, hey, we run our course and and we think we accomplished with what we wanted to do with the podcast, right? So if you're looking to lower your barrier to entry, um, doing a podcast in seasons is a very nice way to get started. The other thing that I see is a bit of a gotcha for B2B companies is they rest the entire success or failure of their podcast on the shoulders of one person, right? They're like, they're the producers, they're coordinating, they're interviewing everything. I would try to have like, you know, one or two people that are accountable for the podcast. So that way, if one of those person, one of those people leaves, like you're not stuck and the podcast is suddenly dead, right? Because I, I see Fortune 500 companies make that mistake where they're like, hey, we have a podcast. And then like one of the people leaves and it's like it ends mid season. And I'm just like, that was weird. You're like a big company. Like you probably shouldn't do that. So just a a couple other tidbits. But hey, like we said at the start, I'll, I'll wrap it up with where we started. Podcasting is accessible. It's not necessarily easy. So use the accessibility to your advantage. Advantage, right? You don't need all the fancy equipment. I was just talking before this interview. I still use what I would consider an intermediate podcast microphone, right? Because it my podcast is not based on the success of my equipment. It's my ability to help my guests tell their story and share insights. So just remember that, hey, don't use equipment as an excuse. Get started. People are going to be showing up for the content and it comes down to knowing who your audience is and creating content for that specific group, that specific persona, et cetera. So that's where I'll end my thoughts on today's conversation. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you, Joe, for uh, jumping in here. Uh, we didn't even have Joe prep for this. Secret so. host. Joe, yeah. <laughs> <Or> guest. <laughs> um, guest surprise host. Um, but uh, yeah, we love this sort of stuff. Thank you everyone for joining us live today. Um, we will be posting this recording, um, in, uh, on the gorilla YouTube channel. We also, uh, like, uh, syndicated, I guess, kind of on, uh, the manufacturing marketer podcast. Live next um, Thursday. Li- yeah. Live next Thursday. Um, and, uh, definitely give, uh, if you're looking for podcast inspiration, give manufacturing happy hour, a listen, super fun show. Um, if and follow you, Chris on LinkedIn too, right? Oh yeah. yeah on yes. LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. yeah. Connect with me on LinkedIn and subscribe to Manufacturing Happy Hour. It's great. So <laughs> right. anyway, yeah. yeah, I had to put had no. to put the plug in at the end. Right. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And um, if you want to keep the conversation going here with other industrial marketers, uh, we've mentioned Slack a few times. Just drop in the chat and I will get you an invite today to that com- or to that Slack channel. Um we can keep everything going between now and our next show, which will be May 18th. And I'm going to be bringing uh, Grace Wright, our strategy director at Gorilla, on to talk about audience development. We're going to do some screen shares and we are going to build audiences live here on Industrial Marketing Live. So (laughs) anyway, thanks so much, uh, everyone. Hope you have a great rest of your day and we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye.